Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. So I want to welcome you to another edition of the Culture Ops podcast. And one of the questions we've been getting a lot from a bunch of you that uh, listen to the podcast and some of the businesses that we work with is, is now the right time to be prioritizing our team's development? And with me today to unpack that question is Tom Marsden, CEO at Sabre. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Great. Um, really appreciate you coming on today to, to kind of unpack uh, this with us. So to kick us off, as always, um, just tell us a little bit about your background and also what Sabre, what Sabre does. Great. So my background uh, is which originally in finance, actually. I was financing management buyouts uh, in Europe across a whole range of different industries. Then I went into consulting, uh, strategy consulting at McKinsey, and then I ran a consulting practice around the talent uh, agenda uh, for a large HR services business. And joined uh, Sabre early on around five years ago and Sabre is a technology company and we build software to help managers uh, get the best out of their teams. So we think of that in two ways, both productivity and hitting goals and getting results, but also levels of engagement and uh, psychological safety in the team that people are um, you know, happy and you're hitting those goals in a sustainable way. Um, so we have two products. One is a profiling tool for teams and the other one is a uh, uh, a coaching support for managers with their teams. And, and so you guys are thinking quite deeply about uh, team dynamics, the psychology of that, how how to get the most out of your team, how to think about uh, the development and the coaching of your team. And so, yeah, I think this is a really, you know, really obvious question for, for kind of us to to discuss together. But before we get into that, I wanted to, yeah, just check in on how how you think your business, how Sabre are, um, you know, dealing with this testing situation that we find ourselves in. Um, it's definitely uh, unprecedented times. And so over the last three, four weeks with all the guests that I've been speaking to, yeah, we've been kind of starting there, you know, what's, uh, what's the transition to a remote work lifestyle been like for you guys? I think we've been quite lucky. We were already sort of half the team were remote anyway. So we were already established some practices that, you know, uh, meant the transition wasn't um, as significant uh, for us as for some companies. Um, and so, you know, in terms of the, the basic infrastructure of what we need, we had that in place. Um, I think we were just talking uh, before we started the podcast about the rhythms that you need within a team, the sort of the the sort of sprint cycles, the way we work, the meeting structures were already in place. Um, so there was a lot there. I think it, um, I mean, it's certainly strange times. Uh, and I think each, you know, for each individual in the team, that means something, you know, specific to them. So I think personally, we're all going through 
uh, a level of, you know, stress or sort of um, disruption in terms of how we work. And I think that's the key thing. It's just been finding the space to understand, you know, what that meets, means for each individual given their circumstances rather than how we operate as a team, which is quite well established. So we've got one team member who's in Spain with her mother. She chose to be with her mother rather than with her partner. So she's dealing with a sort of separation from from her partner. We've got, you know, um, people who have elderly, um, you know, dependents, and that's particularly stressful for them. So I think it's really understanding that personal contact context that's been the big issue to, to get to kind of contemplate and get right, rather than the team structures which are in place. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I've, you know, spoken to a few people about now, which is that, you know, it's not just how the individual is experiencing it, it's what's happening around the individual. Is there anything that you guys are doing in terms of rhythms or routines to make sure that you understand the context around the individual? Uh, we have some. We have a stand up at the beginning of the week where we check in on 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 that stuff, more personal stuff, and people, you know, are quite open. So that's a that's a sort of monthly check in point. I mean, a weekly check in point that we we have, and then through our sort of one to one meetings, there's always we always try and make sure there's space to discuss that and understand it. Um, so and and actually, you know, one of the things um, we're we're looking at from the technology is how we can actively nudge and prompt those conversations because sometimes they they come more natural to some managers than others. Mm. Uh, so there, it's something we think about within the products we're creating as well. What is a sort of small trigger or question that we can ask that might encourage people to open up a little bit more about some of the you know, the personal circumstances that are affecting them. Um, I de- you know, I definitely feel like it's a time that is testing managers and their ability to, you know, be a really effective people leader um, and have, you know, have the harder conversations, which are probably the more, you know, emotional, emotional, empathetic conversations in comparison to the kind of, you know, let me give you feedback on your work. That's quite an easy conversation to have. It's much harder to have a conversation about, um, you know, how someone's feeling about, uh, the, you know, the broader economic impact of what is unfolding around, around us. And so, you know, I think companies are finding themselves either with managers that are really equipped or some that maybe aren't equipped. And, and so I guess the question we're trying to unpack today is, how do we think about people's development uh, during this time? You know, and there's probably two sides to that. One side is there might be development that we need to do with people to help them be effective in this time. And then there is more, uh, you know, long-term bits of development that maybe people feel like they've got the time and space to focus on now. You know, do, do you see it as as those two sides? I think there's definitely, I mean, I have a philosophy that we're always in a development uh, mindset, you know, that it's kind of constant. And actually, I think um, right now is an amazing opportunity 
for everyone who's managing people to think about, you know, their own development as a manager, uh, as well as the development of the people they're managing. Um, and I'm more a believer in uh, development, the, something that happens through real work, through practical issues that you confront day by day than something that happens in a classroom or in a sort of structured way. So for a long time, people have been talking about this model of learn, you know, of development, which is the 70-20-10 model of development, which is 10% happens in a classroom, 20% um, happens through, you know, social interactions and 70% is on the job practical learning. Um, and I believe that. I think a lot of the a lot of the way we learn and develop is happening sort of in every interaction and encounter we have. But, you know, sometimes we think of development as a more structured thing. So I think right now is an amazing time to start applying development in the moment. Um, what What is the development opportunity for me and the people I'm leading, given this incredibly different, strange situation we're in? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I almost without us prioritizing people's development, it is naturally happening from the scenario we find ourselves in. If, if, we, if we use that model that 70% comes from the, the, the working experiences and the day-to-day that we find ourselves in, you know, I'm pretty sure for every business out there, day-to-day has become more challenging. Yeah, and I think it's about reframing reframing your mindset so you think of those challenges that you face day to day you think of the difficulties that your team members are having as a way for you and them to development as opposed to a you know a problem only to be dealt with and and I think that is true we work a lot with really senior um team coaches who coach some of the most senior teams are in the country in very different situations and they're, they're very united in this view that the real development of a team happens through solving real business problems it doesn't happen in a sort of classroom-based exercise or on the golf course you know you know outing that you do with your team it happens when you've got a crisis situation and you take a moment to reflect on that as a development opportunity and how you're going to adjust the way you interact or change the way you behave so yeah, I think it is the it is we are living in the greatest development um, period I've ever encountered at work. I think because there's so much that's changed. Wow, what a statement! Yeah, and I think I, I, I really I really agree. I was uh, talking a few episodes back with um, Perry Lewis, who's the CEO at a company called Mastered that deliver kind of online training and. Um, you know, that's that's part of leadership development and thinking about agile leadership as part of what they do. And we were talking about the story of the of the lobster and how for the lobster to grow and to kind of cast off its shell, it has to feel uncomfortable, has to feel stress, it has to feel that pressure of growing and pushing up on the existing shell that it already has. And it's only when that happens does it decide to go under a rock, cast off that that old shell that's too small and and grow a new one, right? And so the uh, the growth 
and using the lobster as a metaphor, the growth comes from the challenging times. Um, and as you say, we are these are probably the most challenging times that we've ever faced from a business perspective and maybe will ever face in our lifetime. Yeah, I think that that's right. Um, I definitely think that's true. And we, we have a model we use with teams where we talk about two, three, three phases of developing a really high-performing team. First phase is around getting set. And getting set is all around the clarity of what you're trying to do. So this is you know, having clear purpose that is commonly held, clear goals, clear norms of behaviors, clear structures of how you're going to interact. And, and that's a lot of the research shows that if you get that right and you have that clarity within the team to start, it's a really, it's the critical bedrock. But then beyond that, there are two phases. One is around getting safe and, and psychological safety, uh, which is a concept that uh, Amy Edmondson at Harvard has been making very popular. It came up in some of the Google research in Project Aristotle. is critical for any kind of development, that people feel safe to speak up and say what's on their mind. Um, and that is particularly now, I think, critically important that people are feel safe to express how they're feeling, to express their worries, concerns. And then the final part is around getting strong, which is if you've got safety in a team, how can you break off the lobster shell? How can you stretch the boundaries? How can you have the more challenging conversations um, so that you are you know, keeping standards high and you're constantly pushing? Uh, so we use this model. It's simple, um, get, get set, get safe, get strong, that I can think encapsulates a lot of how we think about um, development um, and I think it's particularly um, important to get some of the basics right now and and, and does the having to re you know because I guess yeah there are some people out there who are probably struggling with the makeup of what they see happening around them and haven't been able to do that mindset mind, mindset shift of okay I'm going to try and look at this as an opportunity you know, do you have to do that mindset shift before you can run through, you know, get safe, get set, get strong? Well, I think the mindset shift is, I mean, I think that is part of the hardest thing to do is to frame uh, what could be a problem as an opportunity is one of the, it sounds so easy, <laughs> but it's actually incredibly difficult um, in the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm early to... To, to, to applying some sort of meditation techniques. And I think it's a similar thing there. You can do meditation for the sort of 15, 20 minutes you're doing meditation, but it's actually when you learn to observe how you're reacting in a particularly stressful situation and just observe that almost from the outside that you're really starting to apply some of the techniques. And I think the same is true around learning, which is if we can just take a breath, slow ourselves down when we're in that kind of moment of heat or stress or you know tension and say, well, what is the learning opportunity for me and for the person I'm speaking to in, in this and, and slightly reframe it, um, I think that is a technique that is incredibly um, important um, 
and, and, and in terms of sort of really starting to make the most of that 70% of learning opportunities, I think it is a kind of yeah, key first step to be able to just think of, uh, of the problem in a slightly different way. Do you feel like that's something that you've mastered? Oh no, I'm very, I'm very early on the, on the, on the step. I think it's one of these things we're constantly learning. Um, I mean, I think I'm definitely better now than I was 20 years ago. Um, and and I think you know, sort of, uh, you do. Um, and I think that's partly through just the aging process, and partly through having. Um, you know, consciously tried to acquire the um, the technique of of viewing you know challenges as learning opportunities. Um, but I'm by no means a master. Is there anything that you think's been you know most fundamental, or you know has really illuminated that idea for you? When you look back at the last 10 years, the last 20 years, are there any key moments, key books, key people who've made you go, oh, wow, actually in great challenge comes great opportunity? You know, yes, I think we, we see, a, you know, these things, these ideas kind of sink into us slowly over time. But thinking about you know my own career and the experiences that I've been through, I, you know there are definitely those key moments and key points. Yeah, I mean I can think of a few actually. I mean I definitely I'm very I'm, I'm very influenced by the work of uh, Amy Edmondson in, in thinking about sort of psychological safety and learning organisations, which she's written a lot about. Uh, I thoroughly recommend her her books. Um, I've also through the work we've done at Sabre, we've done a lot to understand the power of diverse thinking in teams. And there's a lot of interesting research around the the reasons why having diverse opinions uh, helps you come to better conclusions when you're solving difficult problems, you know, particularly if those are informed diverse opinions. Um, and so there's a there's a guy called Scott Page who's wrote a book called The Difference who's gone deep into this. He's a professor um, in systems engineering. He's got deep into the science of why that diversity works. Um, Matthew Syed's done a really interesting book really recently called Rebel Ideas around the same thing. And I think genuinely feeling that if I listen to the diversity of opinions around the table. I'm going to get. It's going to help me get to a better answer. Um, I now feel sort of both emotionally and also my brain has got there. I understand why that's going to work. Okay. Uh, and and I'm quite. I'm men, I'm quite. A men, you know, I, I'm in my head quite a lot. I think, I think logically, and so it's really. Uh, I think it's helped me um, think about sort of. Um, you know, hearing opinions which are difficult or um, or different, or view, you know, framing those kind of different um, diversity of ideas and round problems um, in a different way. So those are two, yeah, two two schools of thought that I think have influenced me. I love that idea of 
we have to wait for both sides of our of our thinking and our psychology to catch up with us the emotional side and the logical side and and actually you know they don't they don't progress at the same speed or the same level right they need different different elements of nurturing different uh ideas and frameworks and solutions to help them make make that leap yeah definitely my 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 wife constantly reminds me about that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that i'm i think you know i think i'm uh my head is usually ahead of my heart yeah i'm, I'm intuition defi- i i feel like i'm i'm for sure the opposite i'm i'm, I'm a heart before head um <laughs> And it's funny, I, you know, reading, you talked about some books there, you know, reading has been something that I've come very late to in my life and in my career. Um, you know, growing up, not a, not a talented reader at all, um, definitely struggled with English and literature and that kind of stuff. And, you know, but as someone that's, uh, runs a business, you know, I've, I've had, I feel like I've had very, very gut, very, uh, you know, empathetic, quite strong beliefs about how teams work, how people work. And it's not been until later on and really only the last couple of years where I've suddenly, you know, sat myself down and gone, you've got to start reading and educating yourself. Not necessarily because there's lots of new ideas that you need or you need to understand but actually it's going to give you the science and the logic behind some of the things that you see and you believe um and that's been a really nice experience to go on it's been nice to go and read books and be like oh okay you know i feel like that's how i should act with the team or with the business and now i can see the science behind it yeah no i think i i i came to this whole the the this team space about, as I say, five or six years ago. And I, I tend to sort of delve into the books and try and understand the, the, the theory, uh, as, as I've mentioned. So I've been reading a lot and I must say, I love it. It's a, it's a fascinating space to understand. And, um, there's some really, really, you know, the complexity of human systems, is um, you know you're never going to master it to, <laughs> to to kind of you know go back to your point earlier. It's constantly constantly evolving and dynamic, um, and and part of that is because it's changing in the way teams are working is changing as the sort of environmental context changes, as we've just been talking about with sort of pandemic or in terms of the speed and agility that teams need to work to compared to sort of 10 years ago or 20 years ago where things were much more, you know, you could plan things much more. Um, and so it's, it's been really fascinating to see how the evolution of how teams are working and how people are developing uh, is changing and is going to, you know, and will continue to change. Um, uh, yeah. And also it's, it's context based and it's individual based. So, you know, there's yeah. that, there's a, it, it, you know, we learn more and it changes over time, but also as the context shifts around us, and now is a perfect opportunity, things also shift and how different individuals behave, interact also shifts, right? All, all, all people are different. And I think, you know, that's probably one of the things that I love most about it is, is, you know, 
there is science yet um you can have two people and they can respond to the same situation or the same feedback completely differently and therefore your approach as a leader as a manager needs to change i want to kind of push us on and and um just think about how we take what we've talked about which is that there is this huge opportunity if we take that when we think about our development 70% of it is happening you know on the job through the experiences we're having we're having a ton of those at the moment um we're having preconceptions challenged we're having what we thought worked challenged ways of doing things have shifted i think the real key here is how as people leaders managers owners of business you know whatever level you're you're working at how do we think about getting our teams to consider that mindset shift you know because i think it would be fair it would be fair to say that probably people listening to this and going my team's anxious some of them are scared um they're worried and right now they're not looking at this as an opportunity you know maybe quite rightly what are the kind of small things that we could be thinking about tactical things we could be thinking about to slowly shift thinking and mindset yeah it's a great question i think one of the first things you can do as a leader is model the behavior you're trying to encourage so if it is you know sort of playing back to the team uh oh i've learned this something myself about what i've just been through um showing that you are yourself going through a learning process and exposing that learning process to a certain extent with the team um i think that modeling of the behavior is is a very powerful uh thing to do i think the second thing you can do as a leader is you know create the space to have um the conversations around what we've learned whether that's in a one on one or in a team session um how do you carve out time to just say well, what have we learned around this um you know the challenges what have we learned about what it's like to work remotely together um and feeling like it's okay to experiment and change um so creating the the structures and the spaces to have those conversations um and this is you know the within the technology space the idea of sort of the retrospective where you have a regular review every week or two or even you know monthly where you're 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 just having space to answer what have we learned um this is a you know this is used by a lot of technology companies that are working agile but it's used by navy seals it's used by pixar in terms of that it's mm. a really really scientifically based uh uh, approach to improve the learning that's happening within the team and i think it's really powerful when that learning is not just individual clearly there is sort of reflection time for us as individuals but where it's having collab kind of collaboratively and there's a team element to it as well it's very very powerful so there's two things there model the behavior and then make sure you're creating the space but also the framework for people to be yeah considering and reflecting on the learning that they're doing yeah i think the other the other thing that i think is i find useful is to 
there are some great sources out there uh, that can help you, you know, think through whether it's just the approach to sort of um, improving learning with your team. Um, so find those sources that are good for you, you know, whether it's the Charlie HR website, whether it's the sort of, you know, Amy Edmondson speaking about. I think if you find those sources, um, that will help you grow as a manager. And there are, you know, there are, there are some really um, great, great options out there. Um, I think, you know, that as a reference point to go back to um, would be very powerful. So find the sources that are right for you um, and then, and then apply those, yeah, model behavior and create spaces. Um, do you think, Tom, you, we'd be able to work on maybe some recommended reading that we can kind of put down below in the um, in the in the show notes for this podcast that maybe yeah, would, would, would inspire people to to think about this topic? Absolutely, yeah, great. So, um, yeah, obviously, you will be listening to this after we've recorded it. So, go and have a look in the show notes. There's some uh, recommended reading in there. Go and inspire yourself and think about how you can create that mindset shift within your team because as we just discussed there is a huge opportunity out there um, to take advantage of that 70% and um, help people capture the learning that is uh, maybe without them realizing it and without them knowing it very much happening uh, within the current climate and on that um, we're going to wrap up today's show and I've got to say a big Thank you to Tom for joining us today. I really, really enjoyed that conversation and I feel like we could have sat here for hours uh, talking about it. So thank you, Tom. Well, when we can get to the pub, we'll go and discuss further. Yeah, sounds good. Pints are on me. Um, I've got to thank uh, Mel, our producer, who's behind some virtual glass today, keeping us on the road and making sure we continue to put out uh, content every week. Uh, To all of you listening along at home, wherever you are, well, I don't know why I asked that question. You're definitely at home, uh, at where you should be. Stay home, save lives. Uh, remember, if you've got an issue you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line. We're at Join Charlie on Twitter, and I'm at Gately. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. <laughs>